0: One of my uh, favorite movies, uh, maybe many of you know it as Braveheart. Any Braveheart fans out here? Just a few, maybe a few. You're not ashamed to admit it. Okay. Um, One of of my favorite movies, uh, uh, Mel Gibson stars in it. Uh, I won't say he was one of my favorite actors, but he's in it. And uh, like a lot of movies, there's some embellishing to this story because it's based upon a a historical figure, William Wallace, who was a, uh, a Scottish freedom fighter and revolutionary um, and, uh, there's great music, there's great scenery, um, lots of cool fight scenes, inspirational stuff, and guys running around in kilts with blue and white faces. So it's got everything you need to make it a, a hit movie. Um, you remember the last scene, um, he's, 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 he's being killed, he's being executed and he cries out one word. Remember the word freedom. Now freedom is something that we all want, isn't it? Freedom is something that we all aspire to at different times and different ways in our lives. Uh, Maybe it's uh, we want freedom from debt. It feels really good to write out that last check for a car payment or a student loan or or a mortgage or whatever. Uh, Maybe it's freedom from a bad relationship or a bad work situation. Perhaps it's freedom from an addiction or something you really struggle with personally. Uh, and maybe the first freedom that we all remember and we all experience is, is when we're growing up, we want freedom from what? From the tyranny of mom and dad, right? We, we want to get out on our own. We, we can't wait to, to be able to experience that freedom when we get out and have our own place and set our own schedule. We can decide when to go to bed and if we want to go to bed, when to get up, if we should go to class, what we want to do, who we hang out with. All the rules and regulations that were under under us when Mom and Dad were ruled the roost are now gone and we have freedom. But whatever the circumstance might be, whenever we have freedom and find freedom, the question is, how do we use it? How do how do we exercise the freedom that we have? What do we do with it? Do we use it to have a great time and goof around, or do we use it to be really serious about our, our job or education, or do we fall somewhere in the middle? Freedom from rules is, is one side of the picture, but we have to ask ourselves not just what we're free from, but what we're free for and what we're free to do, called to do with that freedom. Now, ever since uh, Labor Day, we've been looking at Paul's letters to the Galatians, and uh, you'll know that you can see behind it is freedom in Christ. It's about freedom. That's the central theme of the whole letter. Many have called Galatians the Magna Carta of the Bible. It says that we are free. We are no longer obligated to to keep the law in order to be accepted by God. We are set free from keeping the law as a means of, of salvation. We do not have to add anything to what Christ has done in order to be accepted by God. Jesus has paid the entire price and therefore we're free. Well, there's a problem, and I know that some of you have seen this problem or this issue, potential problem, because I've had some conversations with you regarding it. And, and the question is this. If we don't have to obey in order to be accepted by God, if in other words, if obedience isn't the, the key that makes God accept us, does that mean we can live any way that we want to? If it's Jesus plus nothing, just faith in him, equals acceptance with God, then, then what's to stop us from living any way that we want? Good question. There's an article from the Associated Press a few years back uh, who was describing somebody who was experiencing freedom after a long time without it. <coughs> His name was Ali. He was a, an Iraqi young man, and he was, it was interviewed after Saddam Hussein's government fell. And in the story, Ali was ta- he says he was a young man with little money, and no wife. And, and every, every week, a couple times a week, he would take a 90-minute bus ride from his village, small village, to the big city of Baghdad. And when he got there, he would head straight for a place, 21-year-old man would head straight for a place called Abu Abdullah's. And it cost him $1.50 to spend 15 minutes with a woman. The room, the story says, uh, was a cell with a curtain for a door. And all he complained that the women should bathe more often. But he saw the easy and inexpensive access to women as a big improvement over the days when Saddam Hussein was in power because he strictly controlled prostitution and alcohol and drugs. So now they had freedom. All these things were open to them. And Ollie grins at the end of the article in reference to all these things he's been doing and says, now we have freedom. What is that Freedom. Some people reading Galatians think that this is what Paul is talking about, that we are not under the law. So now we can do whatever we want with whoever, with whomever we want and whenever we want. It's all about grace. After all, we have no more obligations to try to earn God's favor. And and Paul knows this is is the issue people are asking, some of them. And there's some folks in the church that are dealing with this. And so in this passage, Paul tries to make it very clear what freedom is about what it isn't, and what it is. Verse 13. He says, for you were called to freedom. In other words, we, we're we created, we're called for purpo- our purpose in life is to, he created us to be free individuals, free to love God, free to love others, uh, free to follow God. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Another story about another young man. D.A. Carson is a Seminary professor, now retired, I believe, Um, and he was teaching in Germany at one point in his career, and he used to meet with a young man from French West Africa, Uh, and the reason they would meet was because they wanted to practice German with each other. Uh, After a while, they'd have enough, and they would usually go out for a meal or a cup of coffee or something like that, And, and over time, he learned that this man had a wife in London who was training to be a medical doctor while he was in Germany learning the language. Carson also learned that once or twice a week, this man, like Ali, would disappear into the red light district and pay money and have his woman. And eventually Carson got comfortable enough with a man that he asked him what he would do if he discovered that his wife was doing the same thing in London. He said, well, I'd, I'd kill her. And Carson said, well, that's a bit of a double standard, isn't it? You told me you were raised in a mission school and you know that the God of the Bible does not have double standards like that. The man gave Carson a bright smile and said, Ah, oh, but God is good. He's bound to forgive us. That's his job. That's, what, that's not what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about freedom. Because true freedom is, is not using God's grace as an excuse to do whatever we want, regardless of his will. Paul says, remember, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, the flesh isn't t- just talking about the physical body here. It's talking about our, our, who we are as human beings, our sinful, fallen nature, that thing within us that makes us want to do what we want, when we want, regardless of what other people think, regardless of what God thinks. And Paul says, do not use the freedom you've been given in Christ to live any way that you'd like and to indulge that, those desires and that sinful nature. And then Paul kind of gives us some very concrete examples of what that might look like. In verses 19 through 21, he says, Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, not a very pretty list, and you'll you'll notice that some of these things are behaviors. Um, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, sorcery, drunkenness, and orgies. And a lot of us at this point stop and pat ourselves on the back and say, I can check those off lists. I haven't engaged in those things. I'm good. But then Paul gets to what some people would call respectable sins. Sins that don't look as bad in our mind or sins that we tolerate. Anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. You know, most churches that I know wouldn't put up with orgies. But they will put up with anger or divisions or dissension or envy. And Paul puts them all together on the same list. Then he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And why? Because good works are not the basis of our acceptance with God. But they are a result of it. If Christ is truly in our lives, and we have accepted Him by faith and we're trying to follow Him through the power of the Spirit, then He's going to begin to transform us so that this list does not characterize our lives. You see, true freedom does not mean that we live however we would like to. Jesus said, truly, truly, John 8.34, everyone who, who practices sin is a slave to sin. What what he's getting across here is if we use our freedom from the law as an opportunity to do our own thing in sin, all we've done is exchange one kind of slavery for another. We're no longer a slave to the law because of what Christ has done for us, but now we've become a slave to sin. And so true freedom is not doing what we want regardless of God's will. But what else isn't true freedom before we get to what true freedom is? Verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So there are two parts here. One is that if we are a follower of Christ, we are free. Free from the penalty of sin. We are free from the power of sin. And we are free from the obligations of the law as a system of salvation. John Stott puts it this way about this freedom. He says, True freedom is freedom from my silly little self in order to live responsibly in love for God and others. Paul says Christ's mission was to free us. And then he says in clearest terms to us that when we put our faith in Christ that we are then set free. But then he adds to this a little tagline. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is he talking about here? Well, back in Paul's days, uh, slaves... Slavery was a little bit different than what we, ex- we experienced in North American history. Slaves would have the opportunity at times to be set free. They might have saved some money, earned some goodwill, and they could buy their freedom or somebody else could buy their freedom and they would be set free. They could marry whoever they wanted to. They could live wherever they could afford. They could schedule their own activities and days. Um, they could do all those things. And it would have been in th- unthinkable for them to voluntarily go back to the way it was before, to go back to slavery. Why would they do that. But Paul says that's exactly what happens when we depart from the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And when Paul talks about this yoke of slavery, what he's talking about is the Old Testament law. And he gets very clear in this passage that that the issue the Galatians were facing was this whole issue of circumcision. We've talked about this before, that there's this group called the Judaizers. And what they were trying to teach the individuals in the church was Faith in Christ is good. Yes, believe in him. But you also need to do these things also in order to be saved. And one of them was, was circumcision. And Paul responds to this very, very strong language. Uh, in fact, um, he, at one point in verse 12, he says, if you're going to follow along with the circumcision thing, you think it's a part of what you needed to be saved, well, then why don't you just go the whole way, he says. Emasculate yourselves. Very, very strong response from Paul. He says this does not lead to true freedom, and says he says instead he says it leads to to slavery. Look at verse two, what he says about this. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. So what he's saying is, if you let yourself be be fall into the trap of faith in Christ plus doing other good things to save yourself, he says. Christ will be of no value to you. Pretty strong words. Let me try to tell a story that might help explain this. What he's saying is that that if we trust in Christ plus our own obedience, we lose all the benefits of trusting in Christ. Not salvation, I'm saying, but all the benefits. For example, there's a story about a man who got a baseball. uh, and It was autographed by Babe Ruth. He thought it would be worth a lot of money, but he... But he uh, he was going to sell it off. But then he looked at it, and and the the, the autograph was kind of faded. And he was worried that maybe it wouldn't be worth as much, that people couldn't quite, you know, it wasn't standing out as much. So he took a magic marker. He traced over it. So it said in big, clear letters, letters, Babe Ruth. Well, of course, what had happened, he, he was trying to add to what Babe Ruth had already done. And he destroyed, in the process, what Babe Ruth had done. And so by the time he had finished it, he had taken something that was priceless and turned it into something that was worthless. And that's exactly what we do with Christ's work when we try to add to it. It's it's completed. It's done. There's nothing we can add to it to make it better, more perfect, to make it stand out more. When we try to do that, Paul says, when we trust in our own obedience, we deface the work of Christ. And his work and his grace and his gospel will be of no value to us. Next, verse 3, Paul says this. He says, we'll become debtors to God's entire law if we do this. Verse 3. Again, I declare to everyone, every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Let me try to explain this. Um, we have, when you, when you have cable TV, you've got a lot of channels that you don't want, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just say, I want uh, a sports channel, a weather channel, a news channel, a couple of movie channels and I don't know, maybe one or two others. That's all I need. But we can't do that. If you, if you want them, you have to get them all. It's a, it's a big package, right? You can't pick and choose. Paul says you cannot pick and choose from the law in add a bit of obedience. It's a package deal. If you say, I want to obey this part of the law, but this doesn't apply to me, he says you're obligated to do the whole thing. And when we do that, we become debtors to God's law. We, we cannot meet those requirements. And the only way we are saved, Paul says, is putting our trust in Christ and uh, and because Christ himself has fulfilled the law and we trust in him and receive that as a gift from him. Finally, let's take a look at what true freedom really is and what we can do with that freedom. Verses 13 and 14. Again, for you are called to freedom Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, to indulge yourself. But through love, serve one another. And then he adds, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word serve in the Greek language is, is the word doulos, which means slave. We are set free from our slavery to sin by the power of Christ, and we are set free for the purpose of becoming a slave to love other people, to love other people as Christ has loved us first. You see, the the, the mistake the Judaizers made was that they thought the only way to change human behavior was through a system of laws, and you can never legislate the human heart. You can never change the human heart through laws. Only Christianity, following Christ, works because it it changes people from the inside out because Christ comes in and makes us a new person and allows us to love in a way that we couldn't before. It was love itself that motivated God to send His Son, Jesus. It was love that said, I will go beyond myself to take care of you and and your needs and your sin problem. I will reach you beyond myself. I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Love, true love, sees the need. And then moves to meet that need, even at great personal cost. In his final message to his disciples before he was crucified, Jesus declared that love was to be the distinguishing mark of his followers. He said in John 13, by this all will know that you are my disciples. Why? If you love one another. The danger is that we can become like the Judaizers and and say, this is what it means to be a disciple I'm uh, sure you're supposed to love, you're supposed to have faith in Christ, but you also have to do these things too. you belong to the right church, sign the right doctrinal statement, whatever it might be, act a certain way, dress a certain way. But Jesus said the one way to spot his disciples is by the way they love each other. Because the gospel changes our hearts. A changed heart leads to change relationships, change behaviors, change actions, and change values. I mean, there's a reason there are so many one-anothers in the Bible. A couple summers ago, we looked at some of them. Let me refresh a couple of these to you. We are set free to love others and do what? Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. Build one another up. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Teach one another. Accept one another. Be kind to one another. Submit to one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another and all of these one another's are but reflections and amplifications of the great command given by our Lord Jesus love one another it is for love and service that we have been set free that is true freedom that is what it's about expressing our freedom through service and love for others just as Jesus Christ did for us Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the example of Jesus Christ who used the freedom and the privileges that he had to serve others, to give up his life as a sacrifice because he saw the needs that we could not meet on our own. Lord, I pray that we would be people who. We do not become slaves to sin again by trying to add things to our salvation, but rather that we would be people who would live out of the freedom you have, experience that freedom, and use that freedom, Lord, to serve others, to love others, to point them to you, to your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, through the power of your Spirit. Help us to serve and love others. Amen.